TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brennan. It's always a privilege, always a treat to have Governor David Patterson, former governor in New York. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us again. Oh, it's great to talk to you, Zev. We go back a long time, so I'm glad that uh, we're able to reconnect on this uh, broadcast. So how are things going for you, first of all? Um, Very well. You know, uh, in this era of virus. I had the virus and I um, was able to get through it pretty much without any real difficulty and then got double vaccinated and have been able to work and my family's in pretty good shape. We lost a few members in the last month. It was a little sad, but everything is good for the most part. Well, thank God for that. And I thank Ushi Teitelbaum from the executive at Palm Tree Productions for helping put together this segment. So what do you make of this whole thing? What's this with being governor of New York and leaving and all kinds of shenanigans? What's going on with, with New York, with the Empire State? Well, this is the second time that that happened in 13 years. And, uh, you know, it doesn't bode well for the state in terms of our national reputation. But it's a new day. It's a new governor, Kathy Hochul. From Buffalo, New York, she was the uh, city clerk in Buffalo. She's uh, served in the House of Representatives, and she was on the governor's staff for seven years, so she's well-equipped to take over and uh, to take over immediately. And um, uh, she's more of a centrist, and I think uh, a, a lot of people appreciate that, while the people who would be a little more progress- progressive, a little more activist, I think would still feel that on the real critical issues, such as creating business for minority and women-owned companies, such as uh, making sure that um, people are protected in the workplace, making sure that uh, there are opportunities for those who maybe uh, did not do as well earlier in life, I think they'll be very happy with how she feels about those things. I think she has a great opportunity not only to be the first woman governor, but uh, as good as uh, any of the men that have served before her. But the real issue is, is that New York has become a lot more progressive. And what that means is, is that even Andy Cuomo started more being more of a moderate, had to move to the left to placate the left. Look, even there's no bail law is a concession to that progressive left, which has not been good for New York. We've seen crime increase and people have gotten away with it, unfortunately. So do you think that she's going to end up, she's considered more of a moderate, is she going to be pulled more to the left because of the progressive politics? I think because of the Democratic primary that those points of view where she agrees with progressives that she'll be obviously talking about more so. But on the issue of bail reform, we needed bail reform for years in the state, but when they actually instituted it, they went too far, and I think even the strongest advocates of it know that. So if they could temper the bail reform legislation, uh, that would be a real message uh, to everyone around the state that she wants to um, 
move forward and uh, and address the issue of crime and safety for everyone in the state. It's probably the leading issue on people's minds. People want no crime, but, 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 but we know that people are upset that you have criminals that just before, as soon as they bring them into the police station, they're out. In fact, the police are frustrated. They don't even arrest some of these people anymore because they figure, why bother? Right. Now, remember... If criminals can afford the bail, they can leave the precinct just as quickly as when they don't have the money. So it was really a, an issue of money over bail. Where I think the bill went wrong, Zev, is that prior offenses and a history of conduct that's antisocial uh, should give the judges the independence to remand, if necessary, the defendant because they are not only going on trial where they're presumed innocent, but they are a danger to the community. Their own acts in the past have uh, buttressed the concern of citizens. So I think that's where the bail reform bill went wrong. Well, I mean, listen, you know, there has to be an equitable system, but the way it is right now where everybody can get out and commit other crimes while they're out, there's something terribly wrong with the way it is, so it definitely needs an overhaul. But I think that's but that's also pandering to defund the police. There's a whole movement which is not which I think people have to rethink because it's not working. But it's not good for society and, and not good for New York, even though New York, thank God, well, has grown. Well, Zev, remember, there's not a whole movement to defend to um, to defund the police. In a poll, only 14 percent of Democrats and probably 0% of Republicans <laughs> wanted to defund the police. It gets a lot of airtime. It gets a lot of publicity. But no one's actually thinking about doing it. And Eric Adams, who is uh, running for mayor right now, the Democratic candidate, he wouldn't defund the police ever. Right. And I think we need that law and order, as you said, and crime prevention and reducing crime is the number one issue in New York. Uh, absolutely. Now, just turning to Andy Cuomo, and I was just wondering, because there are all kinds of issues here. The issue that he got himself in trouble where he had to resign over was, of course, was a sexual harassment issue. But there are other issues that will never, well, we're hoping they're going to see the light of day. We're dealing with the nursing home. You have about 18,000 deaths that took place because of the policies of New York. You have also his writing the book and getting for millions of dollars and having city employ his state employees working on that. You have these other serious issues, too. In your opinion, I, and I know supposedly that it's being investigated by the DAs and by the attorney, by different attorneys in New York, but you think anything is going to come of it now once, he, once he's out, that's it? Well, I think on the issue of the book, maybe that might be the case, because um, I saw the book. It looks like a reference book, Zev. I mean, <laughs> I... there was a lot of information in that book, very detailed, and by the way, very well written. And even at the time, because I wrote a book that came out about six months before his, I was thinking, I wonder how he compiled all that information so quickly. Now we know. And, um you don't have overtime in the governor's office. In other words, you work at the pleasure of the governor. You work as long and as hard as he says to. So I don't know what personal time anybody had when they worked for the governor. I mean, you probably don't work the weekends. But um, I don't know that that's going to amount to anything. The problem that they're going to have with the nursing home situation is 
whether their policies were right or wrong, they basically ignored an, an attempt by law enforcement to see the information and held it, and then the Secretary of the Government admitted to it on a conference call with other legislators uh, that that was the case. And they might have a, a problem there because um, there's, um, you know, uh, kind of an understanding that when you're asked for information by a law enforcement agency, in this case a U.S. Attorney's Office, that you might want to comply with it. But are we, are we coming too political because it was a Donald Trump administration? They said we're not going to do it. Even the vaccine, you had lots of officials saying, well, if it's coming from the Trump administration, we can't trust it. What's happening to us politically? Well, this is what's wrong. This is what's happening to us, and it's happening to us on both sides. We decide we don't like who the president is, or we don't like uh, who the uh, attorney general is, so we're not going to cooperate with them because... Uh, they are wrong on most of their political assessments. We'll, we'll have a civil war in this country if that's going to be the case. I mean, I feel there's a civil war now over uh, vaccine and vaccine policy. People can disagree as to what the policy should be, but when we finally come to some kind of understanding about how we're going to try to uh, quell this virus, which we thought, you know, I was on a radio show where one of the other guests said a couple of months ago that uh, we should have opened the government up entirely in April. We waited till July, but now it's finally open. Well, that didn't turn out to be right because that Delta factor is now putting us almost in, this, in a position that's worse than we were in at this time last year. So you're right. You know, this idea, I mean, they brazenly basically said that because the U.S. attorney worked for Trump, that they didn't have to comply with the order. Yes, you do. You know why? Because he's the U.S. attorney. Exactly. But that's been the, our partisan politics where it comes from the other side. We don't like the other side, so therefore we're not going to comply with it. And we see that it's detrimental to our society. No question about it. When uh, I was in Albany, I was serving under Governor Pataki, the Republican, for 12 years. And I disagreed with about 70% of the things he said. And, but because he was the governor, whenever he had a state of the state address, I came there. Whenever he wanted to have a meeting, I attended. And I think that I had the utmost respect for him. And I think that, that those of us who complied with what he asked us to do had the utmost respect for us. And which is the way it should be. Even if we disagree, it should be done respectful. We sort of, we sort of lost that. Have you been in touch with Andy Cuomo at all? No, I don't think I've talked to him in three or four years. You mean he didn't call to ask uh, you for advice how to deal with the situation in Albany? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think that was going to happen. No, no, but it's it's just amazing how... Now, let me ask you this. Now, do you think he's going to make a comeback? Because he has an $18 million war chest. That's not small well, potatoes. Um. Elliot Spitzer left office in March of 2008. By July of 2013, he was running for controller. Anthony Weiner left office in the middle of 2011. By the middle of 2013, he was running for mayor of the city of New York. People can come back, but I think that uh, one of the mistakes that both of 
those gentlemen made, and if the governor of us thinks of coming back, he's going to have to have that self-awareness moment where he points out all the things that he did wrong. Now, Zev, one of the biggest mistakes I thought that he made was right in the beginning of March when he had a press conference, and he said in the press conference at one point that, and if I am misquoting, he said, sometimes I say things that people have told me later uh, offended other people, and for that I'm profoundly sorry, and he teared up, and he was so upset at himself, but he actually apologized for nothing. It, it, that did not relate to what he was being accused of. Therefore, he didn't get any compassion from the public from that statement. And then, when it was time for the press to talk, they had a couple of people from upstate and a couple of people from college radio stations, but the real reporters who were around him who could have asked the tough questions didn't even get the microphone. It was appalling. And what I think he should have done is gotten up and said, you know something, I said some disparaging things to women on my staff. I inquired about private matters where I had no business doing so. I at times flirted or operated in a way that was not becoming of a professional workplace, and I will suffer the consequences uh, as they are meted out. And I think if he had done that and, and really... Uh, fallen on his sword, sacrifice, as we know, those of us of faith, ignites compassion. And that compassion would have prevented uh, anybody from impeaching him or trying to put him out of office. He might have gotten a censure or some kind of reprimand or been forced to take some uh, courses, which he said he took, but apparently someone else signed that he took them. But I think that that was a, that was the pathway out of the situation. Remember, Governor Christie, Christie after Bridgegate, which was a pretty nasty situation, he got in front of the press for two hours and eight minutes, and he took every question from anybody that they could throw at him. He wore the press out. And although some of his staff members wound up being charged and convicted criminally, he was not, because he got ahead of the situation. And uh, even yours truly had to get up and admit to some personal wrongdoing the first day I was governor. And as much and as that took courage, you, and you were you were honest. It. You were honest from the get go. From, from the get go, and you know what? When you're honest and you admit to your personal failings or uh, you know uh, indiscretions, people forgive you. We're all sinners, <laughs> and in the end, we ask God for forgiveness. But the uh, one time that perhaps we can uh, uh, give to our neighbors the same treatment is when we ask for forgiveness from another. But there's and, another. But there's another difference, Governor. There's another difference. The difference is is that Elliot Spitzer and Andy Cuomo were not nice individuals. They were brutes. The way they treated people, so they crushed people on the way up. So on the way down, there was nobody there to defend them. You have other people that did things. Look, Charlie Rangel got himself in trouble, but people, he was nice. He's a warm individual, so people were supportive of him when he had his troubles. You don't find the same thing in the case of Elliot Spitz or Andy Cuomo. If you're not a nice person and, and you step on people, when you are down, everybody's going to take advantage of that situation. I think that's a very big difference here. Yeah, and I think we see that playing out now because with the Cuomo administration, people felt personally threatened. You know, in other words, that they might wind up getting investigated or 
terrible articles would come out about things that they did. Um, you know, and um, that is not government. That's not what taxpayers pay those of us who have been elected officers to do. Um, I always tried to have an open workplace. Sometimes I had to address the fact that people working under me thought they had more power than they really should have ever had and uh, treated people in a negative way. And whenever I saw that happen, I got that person out of there one way or the other. You have to. I, I believe in the long run, nice people finish first. Even though in the short run, maybe tough people who step on others to get ahead, maybe they do succeed, but not long term. Because when something happens, there's nobody there to defend them. And I think that's an important lesson, not just in politics, but in real life as well. Uh, something which you know our society has proven. We're look at the situation. Let me ask you this, Governor: Is there any chance for Andy Cuomo to rehabilitate himself? Can he say went into treatment? I've had you know this uh, therapy. I became more religious. Can he come back at some point? You think? Is there a comeback possibility well, for him? As I said, others have come back, but they weren't successful. I think if he wants to come back, what he would have to do is. As you said, you know, maybe a little therapy, maybe uh, with someone from his church, uh, just to sit and recognize that you can admit to things you've done wrong, you admit can admit to mistreating people, you can admit that when you've mistreated people and they complained and they came back to you that you lied about whether or not you mistreated them, and um, that at a point such as that, I would certainly be one the governor has a tremendous amount of talent. He was, the, I thought, the strongest voice uh, protecting us from COVID last year. And uh, he uh, accomplished a lot in his two, well, nearly three terms as governor. But uh, I was surprised about this whole thing, Zeb, because I found him to be one of the most cautious elected officials that I ever worked with. He didn't even go out at night because he didn't want to be seen out and get the impression that he, you know, was more about the nightlife than the daylife. And but something must have happened in the last, I don't know, five or six years that uh, can account for this reckless behavior. This is why a lot of his old staff members who left the office, their first response was to completely defend him because they knew that he didn't even seem capable of this. But, you know, we're all fragile. We're all human Different situations can make us react differently, and I think in this case, it is a shocking uh, falling from from uh, popularity and fame in in the end. Well, he went from being a possible presidential contender to out of office, which is quite a change in his personal fortunes. So, are you saying that he experienced some sort of midlife crisis at some point and and became a different person because he had a living girlfriend and uh, she just? Recently... I don't know what it was, but it certainly changed his conduct because this conduct was not consistent with the person that I knew. Now he was always a mischief maker, he was always competing with somebody, he was always trying to outdo people, and he was always, you know, submarining anyone that he thought was in his way. And he did that to me. But still... What they do to you? Well, you know, they, they had an investigation about a woman who I was supposedly supposed to have asked not to bring 
charges against my staff member, and they let the investigation continue, even though she went down, she told them that that never happened early on. But they went through a whole investigation, so I couldn't run for office the next year. And, and uh, you know, all's, and, all's fair in love and war, but now, you know, there's another phrase, what goes around comes, comes around. No, see, but that goes back to my original point, Governor, is that when he was, he's been pretty hard on people stepping on them from from day one. You don't, you, the word out is you don't cross the governor. People were afraid to speak. Even now, I'm sure there's some people that may be reluctant to speak out. They're afraid of retribution. If he did that on on a political basis, why wouldn't he do it in a personal relationship where he feels he's above everybody right. else? I So you say he may have changed. Maybe he's been this way all along. I it's, it seems like part of a pattern of personality. Oh, I think in terms of how he operated politically and the way he treated people, he's been this way all along. It was just that the the um, improper conduct around women in the workplace and uh, and some of the conduct was outside the workplace, that was just something I never saw him violate. And when I first heard it, Myself, I thought, boy, somebody must really be out to get him because he doesn't act like that. But now it's pretty clear that he did. Certainly. Before I let you go, I was first. First of all, would you ever consider running again? Because there's an opening for governor. It's going to be a crowded field. <laughs> no, Zeb. I think uh, I have served my last day as a, an elected official. I do like talking to people and and reflecting, as I have with Lieutenant Governor Hochul, some of my experiences. And, of course, I came in the same time she did, and I am, um, I when I came in, I didn't have six months to know that previous governor was in trouble, and I had 13 days before I had to pass a budget. So I, uh, you know, can reflect on that time period and give advice. But, uh, I, you know, it's funny. When you're in politics, you just do things. Sometimes you never even think about what you're doing, and you're depriving your family of time, and then you're taking time away from other things, and you're misprioritizing and that kind of thing. And then when you get out and you, and you realize and you come to grips with it, you, you recognize that um, it's a very difficult profession. I have the utmost respect for people who run for public office and serve their fellow residents. Have we lost the public service? Because it seems that today uh, the elected officials are not on the same caliber as maybe times, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You see, you see all kinds of things happening, whether it's corruption or moral problems or even just the way they deal with people on the other side of the aisle. It's a whole different ballgame today. Yeah, you know, the old elected officials were business leaders like Governor Rockefeller, or they were civic leaders uh, like Governor Hugh Carey, or they were prominent lawyers like uh, Mario Cuomo and uh, even my father, Basil Patterson. Uh, Now you've got um, people running for office that uh, don't have college degrees. And I think College is overrated, and uh, but at the same time, uh, not nearly the portfolio as their pre- predecessor. 
By the way, how do you make what well, I found very intriguing that there was a battle between Mayor Bill de Blasio and Governor Andy Cuomo over the course of time, and it seems that now that Cuomo was out, that's like the the mayor's been gloating. Whatever the mayor did, the governor tried to undermine, so I guess this is payback time. How do you view that? How does that play out in public? Does it create more public cynicism when you see this bickering from elected officials that are supposed to represent us instead of working together, they're busy fighting each other? Well, I have worked with people who I didn't get along with, and we bickered. But we also knew that we had a mutual uh, interest in getting the job done. Sometimes the bickering between the two of them got to a point where they were just literally trying to block each other from doing things. And that was at the public's expense. And uh, Governor Mayor de Blasio worked for Governor Cuomo at HUD. I think the governor thought that he still worked for him when he became mayor. <laughs> right. It's 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 been an unfortunate situation. I think New York lost by that as opposed to working together. Governor David Patterson, we appreciate you being here with us. We always love having you on the show. We look forward to having you back. Oh, Zev, uh, we were talking before the show that we've done interviews for 25 years, and who knows, maybe we'll get to do it for 25 more. Absolutely, with God's help. Uh, any book in the offering, Any anything that we should know about that's, uh, that's going to be taking place? Well, I did write a book called Black Blind and In Charge, and you can go to blackblindandincharge.com and read about some more of my thoughts about <laughs> some of the things that have gone on when I've had the privilege of representing people in different uh, areas of government. Anyway, thank you once again for joining us. Take care. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.